Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Jacob Feldman. And this is the Evan Novi Williams Free Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. I right, see. We tell the truth on this podcast, Jacob. Mm-hmm. We, we, you know, when we we go warts and all, we don't tell hide the anything. Truth. Yeah, you know, we do not hide. Like you know, everybody thinks this is like a Facebook thing. You ever notice? <laughs> you don't have kids yet, but you will notice when you have kids, and if you start to look at other kids in the Facebook, everybody's other kid when they're playing baseball, they always get a hit. If if it's hockey like mine, and you know, a goalie makes the greatest save in the world every single time. Of course, I put up the warts and all. Like you know, he gets bad, uh, just a bad goal. It's up there. He strikes out. It, it's up there. And I don't do it too much, but it's it's ridiculous. So we can tell the audience very simple reason. This was a restart. You, yeah, you forgot to hit the record button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and you that's, know, you know, Eben Novi Williams. I I I can trust every week. Twice a week, he hits the record button. So it's a, it's a rough start, but good, good. So, Evan, uh, if you're out there, uh, you're missed. And uh, Scott's <laughs> eagerly awaiting your return. He's counting down the days. Uh, no, we'll no, see. no. Yeah. I, I actually, I love, because I think so far, I ha- have I done, yes, I've done other shows. I did Matt Bach. I've done other shows without Evan, and he's, but he's done more without me. Mm-hmm. And the week you filled in for me, I got to say, we got a lot of people reaching out saying, hey, more Jacob Feldman. Right, more Emily Karen. Careful what you wish for. Yeah, yeah. It, it, hey, I don't mind being Wally Pip. We got a great staff. We got, you know, you guys are all good at what you do. But the intro there said like Eben Free again. Even on the second take, it sounded like Eben Free, like no money, Eben. Not like Eben Free as if Eben's not here. Eben is on vacation in Scotland doing what? I don't know if he's golfing or you know running, hiking, triathloning. I, yeah, I never know what that dude. I do know that I got my first text message from him today saying he's out of the Highlands. And he was able to get a signal and, and answer some questions. I mean, I've been trying to reach him all week, and he finally got back to me. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I'm sure he's having a nice time. Not going to have uh, as good a time as we're going to have chopping up some, some sports business topics. We've got a lot to get to. Where do you want to start, Scott? Let, let's start in college football, right? I mean, I guess it's all sports, but th- this is all being driven by college yeah, sports. Again, no need to hide, hide any of the, the words here. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah, is exactly. football, this, is, this is college football. But man, what an announcement when, when USC and UCLA say we're leaving the Pac-10 and we are headed to the Big Ten, Buckeyes and the Maize and Blue in Michigan, and nobody had a sniff this was coming. And I'm wondering, you know, like people can be ignorant and people can be arrogant. I've always said, though, the combination is really bad. If you're ignorant and arrogant, you got a really, really bad situation. And I'm not pointing fingers. I just want to know how nobody saw this coming. That's it. How did nobody see this coming? Yeah, well, we talked about having kids. You have kids. I mean, I'd imagine it's like your son comes to you and he's like, Dad, uh, I'm engaged. You're like, well, I didn't even know you were talking to anybody. You had a girlfriend. Yeah. All of a sudden, oh, no, I'm leaving the house. I'm moving out. I found somebody new. Uh, they're going to pay me, what, a billion dollars over 10 years. Uh, and, and that's that. How big of a deal do you think this is? Obviously, we saw, do you put this on the same level of Texas and Oklahoma? joining the SEC when it comes to upending the landscape? Or, or is this more of a response and maybe not to the level of what the SEC is building down south? No, I, I put it on that same level because now there's a viable challenger. Mm-hmm. Now that you have the two super conferences, and you, and you mentioned Texas and Oklahoma heading to the SEC, and of course, you know the broadcasters have a lot to say, and this is a lot about broadcast money. Of course. We'll, 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 we'll get to that. But this is now a, a challenger. You know, I, I still think the SEC is obviously the best conference if you're talking football. But, I mean, you're, you're putting together some really important football schools in the Big Ten, and you're going to make a lot of money out of it. You remember not so long ago, 
when the Pac-10 was toying around with how many times did we hear Larry Scott say, we're setting ourselves up here because we own all of our broadcast rights. They're coming up due. We own everything. This is where you want to be in this day and age, right? You want to own the rights. And in that same time, they were messing with some private equity firms about maybe taking a slice and bringing it. And then they said, no, we're not going to go the private equity route. That's not the way we're going to go. But we do have this host of rights, all of it. We own all of it. That might not amount to what they thought it would yeah. these days. I, the school's facing a shortfall. It, it was a very simple, and I, and I hate going to the, the cliche line from Jerry Maguire, but it was about, show me the money and show it to me now. Enough of the promises. The Big Ten said, this is where we are. This is what we get. This is going to be your haul. UCLA and USC said, thank you very much. We'll take it. Yeah, and I think you hit it there. I mean, these are big names and obviously in a massive media market, the number two market in the country. On the football field, they haven't been competing for titles over the last... I mean, since the Pac-10 became the Pac-12, which I think was 2011. Um, so we're talking 10, By 11 the way, years. I always say Pac-10. I, I, <laughs> always, sorry, Pac-10 I always say Pac-10. Hearts, right? I always say Pac-10. Uh, but I believe US, USC and UCLA combined for a grand total of one championship over that you know decade plus of time. So these aren't you know, title contending year in, year out schools. Right now, maybe they will return to that, but it's more about the media market, like you said, and we're we're right in the midst of Big Ten renegotiation, and this is going to give them a massive bump. And it's also, I think we've seen some estimates of maybe a 20 to 40% uh, cut for the Pac-12 in terms of what they're going to get. And that is if they hold on to the rest of the membership. And that's now the big question is, is who's next? Who do you have your eye on? Of, of, of where are you curious where the next domino might fall? Well, I think you know, and we're going to bring up Phil Knight's name later because he made a bid on the on the Blazers. But how can it not be Oregon, right? If you're talking about football powerhouses, and if you're talking about a guy who can fund a program that can now rise to national elite, how do you not look at Oregon? And you've heard a lot about Washington as well. But then there are those who say you can't separate Washington (laughs) and Washington State. Are we going to make that? Uh, yeah, it's it, it's a mess. It, it is an absolute mess for many of the athletic directors. And now you have uh, Pac-10. I'm going to say Pac-10. What are we down to? Like Pac, Pac. Well, I guess we're down to Pac-10 right now. Right. Um, yeah. You but, win. You know, yeah. Do you always saw this coming? Yeah. Now you're looking around and you're saying, all right, well, who wants to join us? Who wants to replace what, where there is a vacuum? You know, there will be a rush to fill the void. But who's won in that game? You know, I'm a Syracuse guy, as you know. And I'm going back forever. You know, Syracuse was a member of the Big East with Georgetown, but there wasn't enough football money there. So what did Syracuse do? They went to the ACC. Where does the ACC rank in this landscape now? Is somebody going to be looking from the ACC to jump to one of the, uh, whether it's Clemson, right? Or who's going to make the jump from the, from the ACC? And what does that leave the remainder? So uh, maybe you admire what Val Ackerman's built in the Big East. They said, no, we're just not even interested right. in football, right? Yeah. We're, we're not even going to pretend we're a basketball conference. We understand the revenue goes to the football schools, but we're happy where we are. Maybe maybe she had she knew something uh, way back when. Definitely looking smarter. And yeah, I, I do think that's where we're going to go. And I'm from North Carolina, so my, my you know attention always goes to those schools. And now we are seeing UNC is among these lists of potential Big Ten targets and potentially you know disrupting UNC Duke and all that that means to college basketball. It will be interesting to see how much farther these things, you know, uh, bastardize the rest, the rest of college sports. But the other, you know, thing everyone was talking about last, last week that we were talking about as well is the one year anniversary of NIL and, and athletes being able to make their money. And it, it, to me, those are intertwined. I mean, these stories to me are both about the end of amateur athletics as we've known them, as we enter this new decade, this new time, I, I think we're going to come to understand. And I don't know what the new model is, but between the football realignment and this NIL, 
I think it's just another change for for what it means to be a college athlete. Yeah, how about the impending, perhaps, irrelevance of the NCAA? I, I have long, and I always go back to this example with Steve Paliuka, and I, I forget what year it was, but it was a long time ago because you know my lower back didn't hurt and I was able to run around the streets of Manhattan without pain. Um, one day I'm at an NHL owners meeting, and see, you haven't co-hosted. Evan's heard this story a couple of times, but I'm going to tell it again because it, it's, it's telling. I'm at an NHL owners meeting and I see Steve Paliuka come out. And I'm like, hey, Steve, you know, how are you? you know, like, he's, by the way, people don't know Steve, managing director of Bain Capital, part mm-hmm. owner of the Boston Celtics. Big Boston guy here. Good Boston yeah, 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 there, yeah, yep, you're up in Boston. So you know Steve, and he co-owns, we'll say co-own, with uh, Wick Rosbeck. Fine. So, I mean, it doesn't seem to make any sense. Why is a, an NBA team owner coming out of the building where the NHL owners are meeting? And, and again, I, I know I was young because I was too stupid to get the story. Like I, nowadays, I'd have nailed this in two minutes. But right. back then, I was too dumb. You know, you take his word for it. Steve, trying to keep things quiet, was like, oh, no, 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 just had some business. Hey, you know, oh, okay, hey, have a nice day, right? Me, moron, me. <laughs> because the business at hand was Steve was inside presenting a four point something billion dollar offer for Bain to buy the entire NHL, every team in its entirety. Uh, imagine if he could have done it. Look at the valuations now. Great. Like, you can't even get the Rangers for that now. Great. Now, I bring this up. Because you know, look at the money, the private equity money, the institutional capital that has been flowing into professional sports, right? How is somebody not going to look to privatize the highest echelon of collegiate athletics? And they can spit it out any way they want. Let's just say the top 50 football schools go into this private equity driven for-profit venture. Maybe there's three, four, five private equity arms. Who knows? But that's, I get the feeling, that is where we're headed. This completely uh, transparent, we're in it for the money, we're maximizing the dollars, we're going to pay the players' world, where we're done with this musical chairs. That's the end game. That's where the money will flow. And everybody else will figure out some sort of existence, some sort of subset of NCAA, and play for whatever championships and money you think is still available. Yeah, and I, I think I'm guessing there's some college diehards out there that are screaming at that. But to me, and again, you know, growing up in North Carolina, college sports are sports. That that is, we just need to do it. We just need to get to that point and and stop with all this, you know, moving everything around and, and adjusting the deck chairs and just make that make that leap. And I think the other people that maybe are screaming are, are the uh, the British soccer fans. That's basically what the Premier League did 30 some years ago. Is say, look, there's a ton of money here. We're going to take these top 15, 20, whatever clubs. And we're going to create, you know, a, a massive global um, business, and, and, and so let's, let's do it. Let's, let's see. Let's see what happens. You know who who must be having an interesting week or so? My my, my old pal Brett Yormark, mm-hmm. right? Jumps in, commissioner of the Big Twelve. Welcome, yeah. Well, welcome, and this is happening. And I, you gotta think that at a time like this, that long-standing relationships do matter. That's everything, right? Yeah, you, you get the heads up, you get the wink, like you know, George Klyovkov over on the West Coast did not get the heads up, wink, not hey, hey, you better do something. Hey, I'm hearing, obviously, you know, he was he was caught blindsided, and everybody was. Boy, what a tough time to, but he's excited. If I know him, you know, he's going to shake things up and you know, yeah, perfectly not- suited. You know, he ran, he ran, yeah, the, the Brooklyn Sports and Entertainment. You know, he was at Rock Nation. So if if you're looking to extract maximum dollars. For whatever product it is you're putting out there, Brett's your guy. It's yeah. gonna be, but it'll be very interesting. 
Yeah, it's an opportunity to do things differently. We're, I'm already seeing today rumors of potential, you know, Pac-12 ACC championship game kind of off to the side. You know, la- the alliance was the initial well, response. Well, you know why? That but you work. know why? That what they're doing is generating new product. Right. Because the Pac-12 has gotten together. Now we're down to Pac-10 again. Those schools have gotten together and they, they said, what we need to do to prevent further defections is expedite our new media deal. They were going to wait. So, hey, hey, how about we start talks immediately with ESPN and Fox and see what kind of numbers we can get? Knowing you're weakened with the loss of two major schools in the number two media market, what do you do? You create new product. So here's another game. We could another title game and I'm air quoting here (laughs) another title game and how much interest will does it make a package of Pac-12 sports more valuable TV maybe it does maybe it doesn't I I don't know what they're what the networks are willing to pay for this stuff but you can sense the urgency and remember when the Big Ten added Rutgers sure and Maryland yeah yeah yeah. and it it certainly wasn't due to the prowess of the football team on the field yeah well, yeah, hey, you know, it's okay. Hey, I'm, I'm in New Jersey right now. It's okay. Um, you can say it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was about the number one media market. If you want to kind in of... Theory, I mean, right. if you're looking yeah. at the DMA, Piscataway is part of sure. the New York, New Jersey. Oh, okay, yeah. That's but the sell, now, right. Yeah, think about the Big Ten. First conference that stretches literally mm-hmm. from the Atlantic to the Pacific. That, that's what you've got. You've got a national footprint with some... Pretty darn big name schools steeped in tradition. Let's see what they can do to monetize all that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Should we pivot to uh, actual pro football here? Well, why not? Let's go ahead. Because you, you're, listen, you're a data guy. You're a tech guy. So you must love the story where SD Labs, you know, gave equity in the company to the NFLPA. Now it's all about monetization of data. It's data, data, data. Uh, tell me what's your takeaway and what should people know about the deal? Yeah, it's a fantastic story uh, by Eric Jackson. Definitely check it out. And my, my biggest takeaway this is a conversation you've probably been hearing and, and yawning through for, for a long time. But the, as you said, the commercialization of, of player data, tracking data. So for now, what, what you're seeing is in-game data being tracked. So that's next-gen stats. Every league has their version of this where you can see speed. Maybe you can see shot percentage, that kind of thing. Uh, and the next step is, is player biometrics. So whether it's Heart rate, we've seen the PGA messing with that with, with Whoop partnership. Um, we've seen sleep data, right? Sleep we, we data, saw that's, that's what I was going to get to. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's the frontier, right? But, that, but, that, but you, you teed this up as, you know, yawning through this. <laughs> I find, not as a, really? I mean, now that we're on sleep data, I mean, it's a good time <laughs> to maybe utilize the term yawning, yeah, but absolutely go. not. I find this fascinating because I want to see, and I'm <clears> sorry, <throat> I'm going to cut you off. I do this all the time, but once Please. I got a little train of thought here, but imagine if in real time, I, I know the place kicker's Sleep data from the night before. Oh my God, he only got three hours. He he didn't get any REM sleep. Oh my God, look at his look at his blood pressure and his heart rate is up to to one seventy five. This guy's gonna miss the kick. He's a mess. Mm-hmm. But in a in a world where on the same screen I can also place a bet on the game. Right. Right. Now, so I got first screen, second screen, third screen. Oh, and by the way, I'm gonna go over my head my head start on championship gear for or order this guy's. This guy's, uh, you know, his card because I think he's going to be the hero and wind up being, you know, 
you, you got e-com, you've got sports betting, and you've got the live action all on one screen. I am fascinated by this. I yeah. think player data is absolutely fascinating from from the I mean from so many angles. How do you monetize it? How is the media play? Who owns it? What about privacy? Tons of issues. Go ahead. I talked too much. No, no, no. It's perfect. And, and uh, you know, six years ago, players were all saying, "Oh, we don't want any of this stuff. This is you know an invasion of privacy." But no, I mean it. As it always does on this podcast, comes back to, to the money, right? So the PA is, is now in getting a piece of this, is going to have a say in, in how this is used. That's what we're going to see in, in every CBA is, is the players figuring out how to get value from these things. And uh, there's a great quote in, in that story. Data will soon be thought of as media. That's that's really where we're getting to, right? Where We're, we're there. We're there. Yeah, it's storytelling. So w- whether it's sleep data, whether it's heart rate data, it, it tells you something different. And we saw a little bit during the NHL. They're really some of the farthest along in terms of player tracking, but you can imagine going to you know a hockey game, watching it playing out on the ice, but the team's actually playing across the country. But it's just the player tracking data that's being reflected, you know, in a hologram on the ice. That you know is the clearest conception of, of data as media. But we're going to get there uh, before you know it. This should scare the bejesus out of every players' union because I have said this many times, and we'll know if you listen to the show, Jacob. I say if the owners can figure out a way to have all the ancillary revenue streams. And that means broadcast, that means concession, you know, what all merch, sports betting, without their biggest cost, which is in every sport, the players. If you can figure out how to get rid of that biggest cost and still keep all those ancillary revenue streams, you've got something really and special. that's going to be hard with player data. I would think that would be the hardest because this is literally stuff attached to the players. You can yeah. there's no way of arguing that the players they'll give this, this up. Revenue. They'll give this up if yeah. they don't have to pay the salaries. They'll give this piece of the revenue up <laughs> if they go. don't have to pay the players' <laughs> salaries. That that would be my guess. And this is what it struck me when I I found out that people were betting on 100% computer generated tennis matches. I mean, I, who who bets on that? Like, you mean it's well, yeah. It's, I mean, automated horse racing has been a thing, I, and we're going to see more of this. I've talking to a, a startup uh, about two weeks ago that's basically trying to do this for football. Their pitch is, you know, people love betting on football, but they can only do it for like ten hours a day, twenty weeks a year. What if they only, could do it only ten hours a day? <laughs> Listen to what you just. What said. if they could only. do it twenty four hours a day, three hundred sixty five yes. days a year? That's the pitch, and and, and yes. yeah. So, but uh, finish your point. Sorry, I had what was my point? It, it's just that I, it, it went back to what are people betting on and and the and the player data and i always chuckle again i, I always i'm an old guy jacob i laugh when i think back of of the uproar and the ruckus and the furor when david stern had the temerity to suggest to the players association and i really don't remember how many years ago this was but he just said hey what do you think about the idea of putting a camera in the locker room at halftime, mm-hmm. players, you know, people at home are interested in, hey, what's going on in the locker room? And can we? And oh boy, was there an uproar about invasion of privacy? And I think, I think the lead quote in my story is, "What if somebody sees my tush?" Yeah, <laughs> I think that was the, that was the lead quote. But look at where we are now. Yeah, now MLB right. players are wearing microphones in the outfield. Microphones during play. Every, everything is closer to the game. What? It goes back to, and I love and this example because I loved it. Did you watch MTV Cribs? I've seen it, yeah. Oh, look at you, Mr. Erudite. I've yeah. seen it. You know, I, I don't gain yeah. to... to yeah. Uh, I used to love it because uh-huh. you get the tour of the athlete's house. You see their cars. You're the getting... Fridge, behind, yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for live streaming. Where, where did Giannis Antetokounmpo go after he won the championship? Was it Chick-fil-A? 
He went uh, to the drive-thru. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. But I and he had like, you know, I don't know, five hundred thousand people watching him go himself go through the drive-thru. I'm waiting for the athlete to say almost almost in uh in what was the movie where the guy's whole life was on uh was on a TV show? Truman Show? Truman Show, yeah. I'm waiting for the athlete who says I'm ready to commit to Truman Show like mm-hmm. where you're gonna see me, you know, waking up, breakfast driving to the game, driving home from the game. I'm going to live stream it all. And you're going to see what my life is like. 360, just a complete look at what my life is like. I'll bet you, you can aggregate lots of eyeballs. And then as John uh, Skipper said years ago, you get the eyeballs. I'll figure out how to monetize them. Yeah, it's, it's coming. We saw Draymond Green record a podcast, you know, minutes after winning the NBA championship this year. That was this year's version of, of what And we're Giannis getting a did. lot of active players as current broadcasters as well. We're, <laughs> right. we're getting more and more of that. So, yeah. You, you, yeah, you're seeing the understanding of the media capability and component into driving. You know, it's part of a portfolio. That's where, that's really what it is. The media component is just a piece of an athlete's portfolio nowadays. Absolutely. So, all right. What else are we talking about? Seahawks yeah. and Blazers? How about Jordy you want you want good news or bad news if you're sort of a prospective sports team owner. The good news is that you will have the opportunity to buy the Seattle Seahawks and the Portland Trailblazers. That's the good news. <laughs> okay, what could go wrong? Yeah. The, the bad news is you might have to wait two decades to do it. Well, that's that's what we got from from Jody Allen. So yeah, if you're if you're a Trailblazers fan, good news. You have 20 years to try to make up what two, three billion, four billion, whatever it'll be at that point. So start now, start saving your pennies. 20 years, the Blazers are yours. By the way, you said two billion in 20 years. Are you <laughs> right. out of your mind? You you want to add a zero to that at the at the at the way these things are escalating? You're right. You're the, right. the way the media contracts. I mean, we're talking tier one sports properties here. That that's really really going to go up. All right, let's. Well, we talked Blazers. We can pivot a little bit. NBA. Chamath Palapatia. Uh, again, again, for him, good news and bad news. The good news is he he's finally sold all of his stakes in the Golden State Warriors. And so he, he's out completely, had been selling over time. What He got in for, what, $25 million was 10% of the team. The valuation on the team now is like $5.5 billion. This is a wonderful exit for Chamath. The bad news is there are voluntary exits, and there are those where you have kind of a sneaker on your back pushing you out. And he made some comments not so long ago uh, about sort of the treatment of Uyghurs and how much people care about it. Uh, and from what I understand, my sources tell me, Jacob, that the NBA played a role in his exit. Man, I, I, I wonder over and over again. I, I know it's an asset. It's a different asset class and you can make money and it's a passion play and all that. But sometimes I just wonder, man, why do you want to own a sports team? Really? <laughs> it, it, that, that's I, your I, I do. Well, you know, you know, um, Mike Rapoli said years ago when when people were asking if he was going to buy the Mets, and remember when uh, when they sold these sort of twenty million dollar stakes to help out um, the the uh, the the previous owners. Um, I think he said something like, "Why would I do this? Why not just buy the best season tickets and right. enjoy every minute of it?" Yeah, and I think he's got a point. The headaches that come with any misstep. Any player, now any front office member, let's just say, I mean, look at the situation right now. If if you're Joe Psy, mm-hmm. right? You put, like you had the great. You're, he's wondering much, why he's given himself the biggest headache of all time. Yeah, right? much yeah. fanfare, ballyhoo, and I've got Kevin Durant, I've got Kyrie Irving, I've got James Harden. I've got oh, this is the best thing in the world. All of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, I'm unhappy. He's out. Now, KD, I don't want to play here anymore. Trade me. Very tough, man. I, it goes back to me asking Dan Gilbert years years ago, 
what's it like to be LeBron's boss? His answer, LeBron doesn't have a boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I think uh, owners are, are cross leagues are realizing kind of the, the position there. And you want you want to hit a a bad PR story while we're on the topic? Go for it. Uh, so the cow- Cowboys announced what was it today? Yesterday, a, uh, a partnership with Black Rifle Coffee. Uh, Black Rifle, you know, has a connection to to military to veterans. That's part of their name. But obviously, other people joined. By the way, that that could have been a great a story. Positive. That could have been mm-hmm. a very positive spin. And the problem isn't the name Black Rifle Coffee. No, 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 no. That's not. That's not. This this is a a, a win thing. Mm-hmm, right. But okay. So let's get that. Like that. It could have been a very big positive. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. But they announced it. Uh, what I'm losing my days of the week here. But Wednesday, it's like a day after. Yeah, so, yeah. Within 48 hours of, of the the horrible shooting uh, in, in Chicago, um, coming off you know a, a string of horrible shootings, and uh, I think the, the the messaging was was all wrong to say to say the least. Well, yeah. I mean, when you have specific items on the menu like the AK-47 espresso blend, you know, it's just I, I just don't understand. How somebody in marketing again doesn't say, "Well, doesn't pull the plug." Is yeah. there a, is there a, a break we can pump? We're not saying abandoned. We're not saying we. You know, we're saying this might not be the best day for an announcement. Or have we thought about? And again, Texas, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe just to pump the break was enough. You know, let's let's wait a week. Let's, it, it, but. but you know, not 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 a good, and they 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 are taking a lot of flack for making that announcement. And this is my favorite story. Let's close out with my favorite story of the week. Because if you think of the Dodgers, what names come to mind for you? What like if I say L.A. Dodgers, what comes to mind for you? Clayton Kershaw. All right. So yeah, you're a young guy. All right. <laughs> you, you know, you're you're not going Kirk Gibson, Tommy Lasorda. No, sure, sure, sure. Those are great. You know the. And you know, Jackie Late Manny Ramirez Robinson. was up there. Jackie <laughs> Robinson's great too. Yeah. You might you might want to include you know Jackie Robinson. Um, all right, but how about Roger Owens? Ever hear of Roger Owens? I had not until this week, actually. All right, so do you love the story as much as I do? Yes. Yes. So go ahead. Go ahead. I'm gonna let you go ahead and tell it. I'll do my best here. So uh, Roger Owens, let's see, he's been uh, delivering peanuts to uh, to he's a peanut vendor, yeah, to, to Dodgers fans for what, like 60 years, something like that. 1962. And, uh, 1962, and was told recently, no more tossing the peanuts. Yeah, but I mean, he worked, Levy Restaurant is sort of the concessionaire at Dodger Stadium. And literally, they tell this guy, and by the way, this isn't just a, a little local phenomenon guy, like the <laughs> right. Dodgers fans love him. He was on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, throwing him behind the back. Like, this guy's been a thing. Like, it's, you know, it's, I still hadn't heard of him, but in LA, <laughs> he's a thing, right? It's like, you know, Vin Scully matters. Yeah. He was featured on Sports Center. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's featured on Sports. Roger Owens matters. And Levy Restaurants tells him we can't do it because you might hurt somebody. And my favorite part of this story is that this has happened before. Yeah, this was shut down twice before. (laughs) 1976, they said no. And people flipped out and they reinstated it. 1985, they said, ah, this is a major headache. No. And people flipped out and they reinstated it. So do you think think it's coming back? Do you think his, his peanut pitching days are, are behind him? Well, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to guess no, because you know what's coming up later this month at Dodger Stadium. The All-Star Game. All-Star Game. I will be in attendance. I am going to go see. Are you going to order some peanuts? I, if I'm going to stand a section away from this guy and yell, <laughs> Roger, over here. Like, I want to, if, I, I would think now it's like a badge of honor to be, have, be on the receiving end of a nice chuck. Doesn't have to be behind the back or anything. He can give me a straight up three-point throw, whatever he wants. But I want to catch one from him. Yeah, maybe they get him out there and he throws the first pitch and that's kind of, you know. But, get, but let him throw a bag oh, of peanuts. peanuts. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, let him throw exactly. a bag of peanuts. Yeah. There you go. All right. Hey, Jacob, by the way, because normally at this point I say, 
Uh, he is Edmund Novi Williams, you know, Novi underscore Williams. What's, I, I do so many Twitter stuff. What, what's your Twitter handle? At Jacob Feldman four, number four. All right, so, all right. So he is Jacob Feldman on the Twitter at Jacob Feldman number four, <laughs> not number sign, just four. <laughs> I on the Twitter, Scott Soshnick at Soshnick. Our producer is Matt Whitehurst. We appreciate everything that you do, Matt. Our digital media editor is Cora Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of what will very soon become the Sportico Media Network. <laughs>